This is Tony, Dungeon Master of D&D Raw. And before we begin, I just wanted to say, if you enjoy D&D Raw, we would love it if you would support us on Patreon to hear new exclusive content and updates before anyone else. By contributing as little as $1 per month, patrons enable us to dedicate more time to creating episodes. Our higher level patrons get access to DMs notes, outtakes from our episodes, the chance to add an item or NPC to a D&D Raw episode, and even to join our monthly patron game. We wanted to thank all of our Adventure Tier and Above patrons for their support this month. So thank you Jeremy Kleinhans, a Linux fan, and Dark Queasy, and a very special thanks to our producer tier patron, Roy, for serving as a producer on this episode. To find out more about how you can join this list of outstanding people, go to patreon.com slash dndraw. If you're not able to support DND Raw on Patreon, we would love it if you leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. Two quick announcements before we actually begin. First, stay tuned to the end of the episode for a promo for Second Best, a D&D adventure. The second announcement is we will be joined for the next few episodes by a guest player named Rob, who will be joining the party on this new adventure in the town of Veripol. Finally, don't forget to check out next week, where we will be releasing a Rules as Written episode on Theater of the Mind. But in the meantime, here is Serviceable Plots, Episode 12. Solve the Unsolvable. With me today are the following players. Hi, I'm Bethany, and I'll be playing Belinda Walsingham, the half-elf awakened mystic. Hi, I'm Adam, and I will be playing Akiva Kanchu, the Shadar Kai Hexblade Warlock. Hi, I'm Mike, and I'll be playing Scrib Whitecliffe, the human mastermind rogue. Hi, I'm Giuseppe, and I'll be playing Valen Blackwater, an Azimar monk paladin. Hi, I'm Rob, and I will be playing Aldrich Warmstone, the Lightfoot Halfling Horizon Walker Ranger. Last time, the party had a discussion before making their way to Scriv's hometown of Veripol in order to meet with his parents, Jack and Jane Whitecliffe. In the middle of the night, after a forced march has caused most of the party to become exhausted, we go to Belinda as she begins to make plans before the morning. So, it's the middle of the night. You are at the Super Fancy Inn, having checked in with your whole party, plus Olus. I'm tired, but not as tired as Scriv is. Yes, Scriv is... Double exhausted. Yes. I am filled with regret about how the journey has gone, but there's still work to be done because I would like to go visit Jack and fill him in before the onslaught of the entire party tomorrow. Okay. So since Scriv being as exhausted as he is, there's no way he's waking up to notice that you are leaving the room. And since he is the only one in the room, you are able to easily get out of the building and head over to the Whitecliff residence. I assume the streets are pretty empty at this time of night. They are near deserted. You know that there's a few guards kind of just patrolling a bit. Nothing serious. It's mostly against people trying to go to the touristy places when they're not open. Yeah. Or making sure that the salesmen aren't trying anything funny by the entrance, like sneaking into town to acquire an actual artifact. So I know the drill. I'm just going to walk normally like I know where I'm going and I'm supposed to be here because there's literally no reason I shouldn't be here just going to visit an old friend. I don't catch anyone's attention, do I? No. You notice some, you know, torches around 
I mean, you are in a cavern, but you get a couple of like people that look in your general direction, you notice, but the way that you're just moving about, they kind of take a quick look to over to you, but you look very focused and not like you're trying to avoid being seen in the slightest, so. No, if anyone makes eye contact, don't just give them a casual, you know, nod of, I acknowledge you, fellow person. They respond and then move about their business, yeah. I'm not talking to anybody, though. I don't want any conversation. No. No one stops you. So, you arrive outside of the Whitecliff household. You know it is very likely that Jack is the only one here, as Jane is often away on other digs for days at a time. I will just go and knock on the door like a normal person. Okay. It takes a few minutes, but eventually the door opens and inches a crack, as you do see the short, salt-pepper-haired paladin Whitecliff, Jack, to you, of course. You see him kind of in a pretty simple robe and all that. He definitely looks like he might have just woken up. Belinda opens the door wider. Come in. I wasn't expecting you. Usually you're expecting everything. As he opens the door, you do notice his sword is right in his left hand, which was hidden. Yeah, I expect nothing less. Hands up. Oh, please. And he kind of does the whole gesture, like sweeping, like, come in. Mm -hmm. As soon as you do, he closes the door and tea. I suppose. I'll get a kettle going. I assume you're coming in the middle of the night for some information for me before tomorrow? I mean, it looks like your first thought was that I came to kill you. I assume someone might be coming to kill me at any point. Truly, you are an entirely normal person, Jack. This is how everyone lives. It's rather boring for anyone else to live otherwise. I'll let that one slide since it's late. (laughs) My apologies. I'm tired. Yeah, I've come to fill you in. Scriff and I have arrived. We have tagalongs, allies, party members, I don't know. Yes, Akiva and Valen, correct? Yes, that's correct. Interesting party members. Well, we were given this job together. I'm sure you know the gist of it, to go to Amaran. Yes, for the most part, my assumption is they are used as the muscle for your group. I thought it would be prudent to come and fill you in before the onslaught tomorrow of chatty people. All right, so I last got your message that you were in Amaran still. You were about to go to the academy. Scriv is doing better, from my understanding, but that was over a 10-day ago. A lot has happened since then. He's doing well, but we have encountered a few things. I'm sure Scriv will give a full explanation on the quest to figure out what that name was about. We got a prophecy, which comes from some unknown source, and I decided just to shelve it for now because that is not what I'm going to deal with. There's other things that prophecies are, I don't know, tend to be self-fulfilling. People believe them so they become true. Or they're so obtuse that literally anything could be used to fulfill them. But I will say it was rattling. How did you acquire this prophecy? One of the wizards at the academy was inspecting the item and it came forth from him without his awareness. Doom and gloom, apocalyptic, something specific? Very much apocalyptic. I mean, I can give you the full text, it, and I know Scriv has a copy as well that he's eager to get your feedback on. I'm simply curious, as uh, one does not hear many prophecies. Not in the past year. No. But the larger thing that I am concerned about, we were attacked by undead at Amaran. Did you take the southern route? Not on our way to the city, once we were in the city itself. You were attacked in Amaran by undead. Well, what sort of undead? I believe they were Deathlocks and some Whites. That's rather concerning. And there was one that appeared to be the, the mastermind of, of the group who simply left when we got a little too hot to handle. Deathlocks plural. Yes. Deathlocks normally don't work together. That's very concerning. 
Well, then you'll be more concerned because it happened again. Do you have any indication as to why these Deathlocks are working together or what master they serve? We believe they serve Tenebris. Demon Lord of Undeath. A lesser one, but not... Well, a lesser Demon Lord is still greater than some of the most powerful wizards here. Well, and a lesser Demon Lord isn't always lesser forever. That's very true. Powerful magical servants of his that turn undead. That does all make sense. But you said it happened again. When? We were just in a small town, Fairvale, you know, just on our journey, and staying at our usual inn when we were attacked, but I believe it's because of some items that, well, one in particular that Zolas, our charge, was carrying, and I will take it out and show it to him. He will inspect it. I have been carrying it, trying to use my abilities to disguise its presence since that time, because up until then, we did not know that he had it, and apparently it was acting as some sort of beacon to draw them in, or at least a way to trace us. But then there's another wrinkle, and that we were... Oh, it's so embarrassing, Jack. You would expect better from me. We were tricked. We rescued a poor, unfortunate soul who stabbed us in the back. An incubus who was sent to kill Zolas. An incubus assassin. Who came to us with this wild tale of being, a uh, Githzerai from another plane who was preparing to warn us and our plane of this interplanar war with the demons. And for some reason, it was just, well, you know, maybe there is a reason. It was one of those tales so extravagantly bold and broad that it just has this ring of truth to it. And just intuitively, as much as you don't want to accept it, it feels right. You have a theory, I take it. Yes. This incubus claimed to be Doc, the Skithzerai. Of course, he wasn't. But I think Doc might have been real. I think his story might have been at least partly true, because as we know, the best lies start with a grain of truth. Your concern then is that as much as this crazy interplanar war, the might at least have some bearing on reality. I feel like there was a Githzerai who came to tell us of something happening in the plains. And he was named Doc, and he was killed by this incubus. I don't have really any credible analysis for that. It's more of just a, an instinctive feeling that it could be true. Out of curiosity, does the story that this Doc imposter told you seem to bear a similarity to the prophecy that you had heard probably a few days before? If not a similarity, it did seem to be related, and I think that was another reason. It just felt like maybe, if not true, at least is indicating messages that someone is trying to send us. And you know, recognizing a message is something I do. And you are quite good at that, which is why I feel like I definitely need to send some feelers out on, you said Doc. Doc, yes. That was the only name we were given. It could be wrong. But I feel like it's the sort of thing an incubus assassin would do. Just something so bold and blatant and yet very foolish. I don't know. But, you know, he was almost successful. Backstabber. It's disgusting. Just hate to think of it. That I was fooled. I assume he did not escape. No, he did not escape. We completed the objective. So you sent him back to his plane. Excellent. Well, actually, no. So he's alive? No, he didn't deteriorate. He wasn't consumed in any way. We burned a body, to be sure. You see, he's been kind of like looking over the amulet this whole time, and he does stop. He didn't turn to Icar. No, not even a little. What could that possibly mean? I don't know. You are sure he was a fiend? 
quite sure. I mean, Valen is a paladin. We we have ways. <laughs> oh, he has some of his abilities still, then. Yes, he does. That's impressive. What deity does he serve? He serves a deva. A deva? Is he in Asimar? Yes. Is he still in contact with his deva? No. So even the celestials were affected by this, not simply the gods. I think we always suspected that was the case. Having first-hand accounts also helps, at least, to confirm some of the theories. I do think he will want to speak with you about this. And I don't mean to, you know, provide information that's all going to be retreaded tomorrow, but I felt like this was my best chance to provide you with my analysis, unclouded by the trauma the group has been through. No, I understand that. This amulet, it's extremely similar to the one that Scriff found in the ruins. We noticed that. The material is different, and I'm trying to recall exactly what symbols and runes were carved into it, but I believe they're slightly different as well. I'm not good with the age of old items, but... I'm sure Jane will be of help in kind of going over this tomorrow. I didn't really mean to make this your problem tonight. No, but it is a curiosity. And I appreciate you giving me the chance to think on some of these things before uh, accosted by the rest of your party. We encountered an old woman in the inn in Fairvale just before the attack, and she had a level of perception that was uncanny for a regular human woman. He kind of sits up a little bit straighter. Yes, she claimed to be just an elderly woman traveling the roads alone. It didn't sit right with me, so I, you know, I analyzed her. And her vitality was beyond anything I've seen. Did she give a name? Yes, she said her name was Bai. Did she appear blind? In one sense, yes. In another sense, she seemed to take in things that a blind woman couldn't. Belinda, you're from Orenthal. Perhaps your parents told you some fairy tales of not running off in the middle of the night, but by Agosto. Those are tales told to scare children. Perhaps the source of the fable isn't true, but that someone at least takes on the impression of the woman. Well, she didn't do anything harmful to us. She just was unaccountable and resisted any inquiry. I will say it's as if the rest of the party was practically charmed by her and found her to just be so endearing as to defy all suspicion. But she took an interest in Scriv. That's incredibly disconcerting. It didn't sit right with me, but nothing harmful seemed to come of it, and he made his choice to engage with her, and I did my best to respect that choice, even though I disagreed. I made him aware of my concerns, but nothing ill came of it, as far as I know. It just doesn't sit right with me. I don't like coincidences, and her showing up at that inn at the same time we did, just before an attack of undead. Is not a coincidence. Yes, it feels wrong. If the fables, if any of the parts are to be believed, Biagosto is supposed to appear before a death. Similar to Shadarkai. Really? I mean, the fable essentially goes that she traveled the plains, came under great torment, and eventually became her own entity. I don't recall all the specifics of it, but she's supposed to be able to see a person's life, or at least how much life they have left. Why would she take an interest in Scriv? I don't know. I don't like that. Neither do I. It's of great concern, and as much as I am curious about trying to find out more about this doc, I may be putting that at a little bit higher priority, at least for right now. I won't tell Scriv what you've told me. You can decide if you want to. I need to look into this myself and see if this is simply someone trying to pose as a fairy tale. 
Or if there's more truth to the fairy tale than it seems. I will say she was significantly stronger than she should be, and she instantly recognized a death elf while claiming to be blind. That was why I instantly didn't trust her, despite, I guess, what a charming old woman she is. Her voice is one that's hard to forget. I would do what you can to try and avoid her in the future, if it's true that she actually does have the ability, or she knows when someone is about to die. Similar, I suppose, to Nuzlum knowing her being around a place means usually that that place is not safe then, if she actually does have this power. What is she? Some kind of fae? That's how the rumor goes. You know, we've always known there was something about Scriv. Maybe she knows. His friend at the monastery, too. I don't know. Fae have a much stronger touch with emotion, changeability, and with magic itself. It's possible that they are able to sense something in Scriv that he does not. Well, you know, you got my letter that I had concerns that he's been feeling rather than thinking lately, which is his right to do, and I try not to prevent him from doing so, though it's not how I operate. That's not something that I am particularly proud of to hear. He does have two parents. Jane, however, definitely does have good judgment. <laughs> my only hope is as much as he is feeling, he still needs to be thinking. I think so. Perhaps I'm not the best judge. I'll see about talking to him tomorrow and see what he tells me. So, I will definitely send some feelers out for this dock, see if a Githzerai body has been found, at least. I would doubt he would be found. As an incubus, most likely they would absorb the life force from him, reducing him to simply a husk. Yes. May have some friends in the Staff Federation, or at least a way to contact them. Perhaps they can get a message out, or at least some information that way. I can see what I can do about that. By that, I will see what I can find out. If this is simply someone trying to take on the mantle and legend of Biogosto, that's one thing, but... But to what end? And all she did was converse with us, particularly Scriv. It felt like she had an angle, and I was very blatant with her about that, and she dodged my questions rather than accusing me of behaving insanely as a normal person would have under such scrutiny. Clearly, she's not a normal person. No. I will say, Jack, I know we, we made an agreement, and I've been holding up my end of the agreement, but it has far exceeded what I expected I would be doing. And to be completely honest with you, I did not expect this level of threat from simply escorting Zolus across into the Empire. I will say, at least I have the comfort in knowing the Empire is prepared for things like this more than most people know. Well, with everything that happened during the attempted coup. But I think there's some peace for me in knowing that I'm playing my small part. But overall, this is nothing. I mean, it feels like so much and crazy interplanar threats and prophecies, but I don't know about the other kingdoms. But uh, I think the Vermeer Empire is very much ready for something like this. I can't imagine that they wouldn't be. They have the backing of the Staff Federation. Their founder was from Orenthal. They're supplied by some of the most powerful wizards to come about. They have Zuxiar's Academy, as well as a tenuous alignment with Amaran, thanks to the love that Thoven had for the Staff Federation, in addition to the martial forces possessed by Orenthal itself. All true. What I'm hearing is it might be that time for me to actually connect with the Staff Federation when we go to Orenthal. Well, if you can get in touch with them, that is probably one avenue you can choose. But you know another, and I know you don't tend to like to deal with him. No one likes to deal with him. He's 
unreasonable, the worst thing a person can be. Well, I guess besides evil or something, but you know, unreasonable is just so frustrating. Well, how did your conversation with Zinevere go? Oh, well, I think. Did you learn anything new? Absolutely nothing. But she did provide us with some magic items, so it wasn't a total loss. I did notice the new earring. Very perceptive of you. I'm a paladin of knowledge. I try to be. I guess I was trying to figure out how to tell you this in a way that wouldn't be upsetting, exciting. You might as well just say it. I believe I was contacted briefly by Adar. You felt his guidance? Yes, when the undead came to attack us. But the further we get from that moment, when I was so sure that it was Adar, the more I'm fearful that it was, I don't know, intuition mixed with wishful thinking some sort of interference from some other magical source, because since then, nothing. What what happened specifically? Well, we knew that there was a threat nearby, and he guided my attention to the window outside where the undead were approaching the inn. So he guided you to understanding where the threat was? Yes, that was my conviction at the time. And I was excited to tell you, but then, after that, nothing. So, I don't know. I don't want to be one of those people that's so sure they're right that they won't see otherwise. I know he's still out there and something is happening. That I don't question. But I worry that communication I felt wasn't real or wasn't what I thought it was. Have you? Nothing, I assume. I haven't heard anything in over a year. I mean, you know, I believe that he gave me these powers for a reason. But I don't feel anything from him when I use them. Would you like me to see what I can find on your abilities at all, if there's any history of it. I mean, I've been doing my own research on that, and I kind of worry that the more it's known that I'm looking for this, the more people will know what is happening with me. My abilities are best used in secret. I mean, I think people think I'm just a really shoddy wizard or a cleric, and I'm kind of okay with that, but I don't know. I I was hoping to come with this good news, and then as we've gotten further from it, and just been playing it over in my mind, I I worry. If... In the moment, he felt that it was Adar. I would like to believe that it was. It was 100% conviction in that moment. I called out to him, and he answered with guidance. He answered in a way that a god of knowledge would. He gave you knowledge. Knowledge of where the threat was. I have to believe that he is still there. He is still doing something. Maybe something that requires all of his attention, which is why... Clerics and paladins don't have their powers. That's my fear, and I think I think that's why all of this undead threat and interplanar warfare and prophecy nonsense feels like it's all going to add up to something. But I don't know what, and I feel like there's just so many missing pieces to this puzzle. I just want to keep collecting pieces instead of tearing my hair out trying to solve the unsolvable. Well, from my end, I will do what I can to try and find additional pieces to start putting some of this ridiculous puzzle together. I appreciate that. Look, it's late. We're both clearly too tired to keep analyzing this tonight. Yeah. Alright. Good night, Belinda. I'll see you in the morning. I'll see you in the morning. I look forward to your arrival in Veripol, Belinda. As always. And he shows you to the door. And you return to the Ruby Arrow to rest for the evening. So, the next morning, you all awake, having a very comfortable night's sleep on feather mattresses. Each of you in your your separate rooms hear a light tapping on the door as food is brought up to you. There is several pieces of toast with a liver pate and small hard-boiled eggs placed on the side. 
And as they drop it off, they initially say, let us know if you would like any more as the two halflings just bow and exit the room. Yes. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) They have no problem bringing you more as that is part of the payment for the rooms. So is there anything you guys would like to do in the morning? Breakfast sleep more. I think what we are kind of laid out that we were going to spend a little bit of time recovering and taking it slow before I think we were going to either go to see the White Cliffs or to go to the Scrivener's office. I guess what would Scriv recommend once he uh, swims to consciousness? We should probably go see my parents. By the way, Lazarus has like been kind of licking the pate that is on your plate, Akiva. That's so good. As he's <laughs> just like perched on your shoulder. He's enjoying the privacy of the inn. I guess I will sort of quickly check in with Scriv before we head over. Are you doing okay? Tired. Not exactly how I want to go and present myself to Powdom Whitecliff, but... You mean your dad? Oh, gosh. It's just... (laughs) It's just that this is important, especially if we have people like Doc after us. Well, I think, regardless, it's important that we're here and that we get his perspective, because, you know, he always has such a keen insight into literally everything. If he's even here, I mean, we don't even know if he's in town. He might be off, busy doing other things. Jack is always where he needs to be, so don't worry. It'll be fine, and I'm sure he will be happy to see you in his own way. Yeah, I'm sure he will. All right, I think we'll sally forth then. All right, so. Tony. Yes. Mask is off. Mask is off? Okay, your mask was on when you got to the end. Oh, I know. It's off now. All right. Melinda is going to give you a raised eyebrow, and that is all. (laughs) You realize it's almost noon by the time you're leaving, so things are busy. I can't go meet Scribb's dad with a mask on. That's impolite. Impolite, I mean, you meet everyone else with the mask on, so. Yeah, but I don't care about those people. I'm kind of touched by how much value he's putting into meeting my family. You know, we've only known each other a short period of time, but I feel that this is the right time for him to meet the family. Let's do it. So you begin to make your way through the cavern that houses Veripol. Light streams in through the main entrance way and seems to reflect off of the small pools that have gathered from the stalactites on the ceiling, bathing everything in kind of like a soft glow. And you begin to make your way over to one of the nicer houses in town. It's not too far from the elevator that leads down deeper into the ruins. It was chosen specifically because it gave Paladin Whitecliff easier access to the ruins and is just a secure place to live. It's nice. There's some ivy that grows on the outside of the stone wall. It's in this sort of repurposed dwarven warehouse. And it's surrounded by what eventually grew out to be suburbs, the newer kind of suburbs. There were a bunch of older settlers that lived here, but they're closer down to the water. And it has a really nice view of the rest of the town. It's far enough that we don't need to worry about any of the tourists that come in to tour the approved ruins. But it's, you know, close enough that I can still go to the market and get food. So you arrive at front door of your house, Scriv. I knock. So you knock on the door. And after a few moments, you hear footsteps. And as the door opens, you see a... Rather plain looking man, salt and pepper hair, kind of has a half smile on his face, which does widen a bit as he uh, sees you, Scriv. Strapped to his side is a long sword. You see a shield on his back, but he's wearing fairly comfortable clothes as he looks down at you. Son. Dad. It's good to see you. Good to see you too, Dad. Belinda. And he nods towards you. It's going to lean over to Akiva real quick. Dude is armed in his own house. Scriv's dad! <laughs> okay. We're not going to question that. All right. Paladin Wycliffe. Thank you for letting us come into your home. 
Please. And he opens the door a little wider, which you do see behind him a halfling. Rob, would you like to describe your character? You see a halfling fairly slim for uh, one of the halfling folk. Dirty blonde hair, cut fairly short, wearing a, a plain blue tunic. The right arm has no sleeve, but this looks intentional. And, you know, simple clothing, looking fairly annoyed. Scriv, you recognize Aldrich. Mr. Aldrich, you're good to see you. Shannon, it's fantastic to see you. I, uh... <clears throat> Yes, Mr. Shen. Uh, uh, I mean, um... Shannon! Oh, no. Why don't we step inside? <laughs> yeah. M- Mr. Aldrich, these are my associates who know me as Scribner Whitecliff. This is Valen Blackwater and Akiva Conchu. Very nice to meet you. So, you see, entering the doorway, an extremely pale elf with long white hair, red eyes, a kopesh at his side, and you also see a... Six foot five human looking male with dark olive colored skin, long hair, and very well built. You also see a young half elven woman with short silver hair and overall simple clothing, but otherwise fairly nondescript. Finally, there is uh, another human male, Zolus, about six feet tall, like scruff on his face, but now looks like a Scrivener. Does Aldrich think he's a Scrivener or is he totally not fooled? I don't know. Shall we find out? Go ahead and roll investigation. 21. Yeah, no, he's not. There's little things that you're able to tell. I can I can see the, you know, the ink on his on his clothing and stuff, but you know, there's no staining like deep in the fingers and things like that and it's like, hmm. And Aldrich won't say a thing. Have I met Rob's character like in You probably would have met him in passing. Passing like, okay, Aldrich, great. Yeah. Hi. Good to see you again. Yes. Did you get the templates that I sent over? Mr. Aldrich. Son. Should you not refer him as Scrivener Warmstone? Ooh. Also, hi, Scriv's dad. I'm Akiva. I've heard a lot about you. Oh, gosh. <sighs> I'll extend my hand for a proper gentlemanly shake. Yeah, he goes and shakes your hand with a very firm grip. Pleasure to meet you. Joking aside, Paladin Whitecliff, there is something that we do need to discuss. Yes, of course. Would you like to speak in private first or? Yes, please. Very well. Scrivener Warmstone, I will rejoin you in just a moment. I believe that my son may be able to help you with this matter, but we'll talk in a moment. Excellent. As Jack heads off into the other room and close the door, how are you doing, Shannon? I've been better. My side hurts. We just barely survived a zombie attack, and I am utterly exhausted from dragging a cart that is... I don't even have a proper metaphor for how heavy it was, but it's good to be home. Please. And he gestures you to a chair. Just like, please sit. If you're tired, you should rest somewhat. Thanks. And I sit down. Ugh, I wasn't kidding about the cart thing either. Just wanted to get home. It is good to have you home. I'm glad you're all right. Tell me more of this zombie attack. I give him the layout of what's happened since we left Almeron. You've had quite the journey. And you decided to take the artifact and have it inspected elsewhere? Yeah. The researcher in Amaran said that going to Solana would probably be our best bet. When do you intend to head out after your business with Zolus there? Probably. I just wanted to touch base, given that, well, I mean, if it involves divinity and everything else, figured pulling you in would be important, especially if it's as much of a security threat as he's making it sound. If we've been attacked like this, then who knows what else is going around to subvert the nation. I'm glad you did stop by to consult me, and I'm glad you made the decision to take the artifact elsewhere. 
Have you heard anything? I kind of gesticulate skyward. Things have been rather quiet. The past year has been different. How many people know? Like, is, is it just public knowledge at this point? or There are a lot of assumptions being made. A lot of people believe the gods simply are gone. Without any sort of answers or any way to reach them, it is difficult to say one way or another. It's just, you know, when, when we're getting these weird prophecies and you know, it's a bit ominous. It is rather concerning. It is extremely vague, so it's hard to tell whether or not what any of this might be necessarily. Yeah. There's too many options at this point to choose from. I will try to do some research in order to determine what this might mean. I suggest you do the same. I have been, but it doesn't line up with anything in my notes. Just the typical religious scripture that talks about end-of-the-world prophecies and the like. It doesn't really match up with any of that, so I don't know. I'll keep on looking, keep on listening, but at this point, if we share it and it becomes public knowledge, it might just be one of those paranoia things. Everyone will look at a bad situation and try to fit it into the prophecy. That's part of the problem with prophecies. It's entirely possible none of this may come to pass because it's a simple possible future or outcome. Yeah. But you've done well to keep your eyes and ears out, and I am excited to hear more about what you will eventually accomplish. Yeah. I look forward to not letting you down. His half smile goes wider. You do not let me down. Thanks, Dad. Pats you on the shoulder. Would you like any tea for you and your allies? That'd be great. I'll go get it. I know where the stuff is. You might want to go in and herd Akiva. He's... He is an interesting Shadarkai. You know of them. I mean, I, of course you know of them. It's, uh, I mean, what I meant to say was you know more about them than just what they are, because I just know the basics. Shadarkai are an interesting people. All worshippers of Nezlem tend to believe Nezlem is everything. Nezlem will be everything in the end. He is different. How long has he been on this plane? I think about a year. It must be he doesn't have the burden of the Shadowfell pressed upon him. Not my kind of person, necessarily. Yeah, he takes some getting used to, but he's getting rather good at Cataclysm, if you want to test his metal that way. He plays. Have you been teaching him? Yeah, he knows a couple of the basic gambits, but he still blindly draws. Perhaps once you're done with this business that... Scrivener Warmstone has informed me of. I will mention to you briefly, he could use your expertise in the matter with your knowledge of the ruins as it is. The ruins? My hand goes to my side. He puts a hand on your shoulder by this point. I do not want to pressure you to do this, but I believe your insight could be valuable as your mother is currently on another dig. Yeah, I get that. I'll do it. If he's right, I'm fairly certain you would want to do it anyway. I'll go get that tea. You... Good luck with Akiva. You see, like, some game face, for lack of a better term. <laughs> yep, yep, the, the half smile comes up. I get yep. it. He's like, all right, see you in a moment. And he will head to the other room. So, do you prefer to go by Aldrich or Scrivener Warmstone in situations like these? I don't believe much in ceremony. Aldrich is fine. Well, Aldrich, it's nice to see you again. And I guess it's always opportunity to meet new people here in the White Cliff house. As I'm sort of looking around their room, which I don't think is a room where people entertain. I assume there are not a lot of White Cliff family parties. No, it's very Spartan. There's maybe one broad table that seats six people. It's rectangular. There's a fireplace. So we're just sort of standing around awkwardly, eyeballing each other. So how are things at the Scrivener's office? Aldrich kind of hops up on to one of the <laughs> chairs by the table. Reaches into his little pouch on his side, pulls out a small piece of kind of like dried toast, and just starts, you know, 
chewing on it. Things are, are going well, well enough. I've been concerned as of late, but it's perhaps not for me to mention. Oh, yeah, no problem. I, I understand you're here on some sort of business, and that's probably with Scriv and Jack. But this is the first time for Akiva and Valen here in Veripol. What is the number one thing that a visitor to Veripol should see? I kind of look the, the crew up and down, <laughs> glances back and forth. Well, I believe that, at least from the relaxed stance, that several of you have already enjoyed the baths around here. I can't imagine the travel in has been too relaxed with the state of Scriv. You are 100% right. <laughs> I would have to say, personally, I, I spend most of my time at the Scrivener's office, but there are certainly the relics of the ruin to explore, the many fine purveyors uh, on the outside of the city. You can certainly find something that will entertain you, but I know that that's probably not what you're here for. Well, I wouldn't say it's what we're here for, but Akiva, I believe you do enjoy visiting shops and stalls. And since we came in so late last night, you missed out on the fine crafts that Veripol has to offer. I remember our previous conversation about these fine crafts, but yeah, I'm in. I know it's something Akiva's looking forward to. He had a wonderful time at Avaron. Uh, Avalon, I know you, you took him around the city and acquired some things, so that might be another opportunity if we have time. Yes, I suppose if we're going to only be here the day, we'll have the afternoon free. I wouldn't want to leave before nightfall, so... And if there's something a bit less commercial you're interested <laughs> in participating in, I am quite a fan of the theater, and in town there is a, a small playhouse where uh, occasionally a theater troupe puts on a delightful performance or two. You may enjoy it if there's something good playing tonight. I haven't seen a play in ages. I would love to. Akiva, has Valen taken you to see a play? No, but I mean, I've, because I was in Halfling Village for about three months, I've seen performances, and so I know what plays are like. Yeah, we've done a lot of roadside performances, but not a proper playhouse. Yeah, that's certainly a rarity. I didn't even realize Bearpool had a playhouse. I've obviously been missing out. What sort of production is it? Tragedy? Comedy? Something in between? They tend to rotate quite frequently. It's a very new playhouse, and I think they're looking for their hook. But uh, with any luck, it'll grow into a, a cultural hub for the city. So you're in favor of the growth of the city in a, in a new direction. I know there's been some talk amongst sort of the, the old timers and the, the new folks. I'm a man who has seen much of the land, and there's very few things I'm confident in. But one of them is that growth is inevitable. I choose not to fight it, I choose to embrace it. Sounds wise. What is Zolas doing? Is he just chilling? Yeah, he's he's just hanging around the little kind of uncertain. So I guess, Akiva, do you have any questions about Scriv that you would want to ask Aldrich, who has known him for some time? So his name's Shannon. Yes, I admit to being a bit embarrassed. I was not aware that this was not common knowledge. No, 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 no. Don't be embarrassed. This is a good thing to know. This is something I was aware of. I didn't realize that it was a source of so much concern to Scriv, who has just always gone by that name since we've been traveling. But yeah, this is a new discovery for Akiva. I will attempt... Not to give him too much grief about it. I would appreciate that. Scriv is a, <laughs> uh, a good man. Mostly because my, my goal is to get Scriv to lighten up a little bit. That is an interesting goal. Let me tell you about my pet projects. So I've worked on Valen. He's, he's doing some good. Scriv's next, and then I have Ubelind on my list. Uh-huh. And you're going to change me and not the other way around, huh? Exactly. And that's working really well, isn't it? What, I, think I don't so. get to be a part of this list? 
Oh, Zolas, but you're already hardy enough as it is. Apparently, Akiva thinks you're perfect as you are and don't need his help. Well, he's lightened up a lot since, you know, he's not dead. <laughs> That's a way to put it. Yep. I'm just leaned back and chewing on my toast, watching everyone go back and forth. So, is there something in particular that brings you all to Veripol? Scrib's dad. Excellent. Well, um, uh, we're on our way to Orenthal, and, and, you know, it's not too far out of the way to, to stop by, so it made sense to come see family, and uh, it's always a lovely town. I enjoy my, my visits here, and oh. it's something totally new, I think, for Akiva. Well, yeah, and plus, I, I remember we wanted to discuss something with Scrib's dad. Yes, I am giving Akiva a look that says, that is all. Shut it. <laughs> I'm just going to grab Akiva, pull him aside, and say just loudly enough, what Scriv needs to discuss with his father is his business. Right. Yes. Sorry. Take another bite of the toast and just kind of lean back and look around. So by about this point, Jack would return and just say, Scriv is getting some tea for you all when he comes in. I assume, Scrivener Warmstone, that you will inform them of what you told me. I believe Scriv can help on this issue. You'd like me to- Okay, I can certainly do that, Paladin Wine. His knowledge of the ruins may prove invaluable if you intend to go investigate this. Is there a problem? We'll wait for my son for a moment. First tea. Always first tea. Oh my goodness, I feel like we've had so much to eat since we got here. I know, I'm very happy about that. And you you have a problem with this? Would you like some toast? I will take some toast. Pocket toast, my favorite toast. I, I will actually have some pocket toast. Would you? I have some garlic. We can make this garlic toast. I can just produce a clove of garlic. You can. Give it a nibble first before you, you go seasoning. Trust the chef. I absolutely will. <laughs> Does it taste like toast? It's like herbed toast and it's, you know, pretty obviously kind of a trail ration sort of thing, but it's pretty good. Crunchy. Yeah, crunchy, herby, maybe. It might be a little uh, garlic in there. And on that note, I will walk in with the tea, cream, honey. What kind of tea, though? Black tea. So, as you all have your tea, Jack goes, please, Scrivener Warmstone, would you explain to everyone what you were telling me? Okay. Well, I was going over the recently scribed letters from the Scrivener's office and noticed that something was a bit odd with some of the letters, and they were all coming from a name I didn't recognize. Uh, they kept coming back to Bistons, and these letters, there was something odd about them, and I kept hearing talk of the, the ruins and talk of fortune, and these missives, they, they, they almost seemed as if they had some sort of coded message in them. I fear that whoever is having Biston write these letters is interfering with the ruins somehow, and I can't shake the feeling. I, I've learned to trust my instincts, and this is not normal. Do you have the letters on you? Yes, I copied all of the letters, and he produces them, and lays them out on the table to read, and points out some interesting uses of words, and Bistan said that these were specific passages asked to be included in the letters, which is odd for a letter being written by the Scrivener's office. It is our duty to, you know, construct the letters as eloquently as we can, and yet these specific phrases were asked to be used. I can't help shaking the feeling that something isn't right. Can I try and piece things together with his help? You can. I will be rolling normally because her help is offset by my exhaustion. Yes. So, investigation. 13. Your initial inspection of him, as he's uh, pointing him out, you do see it, but the more you study, you kind of just start rubbing your eyes, and the 
journey from the night before is is still kind of heavy on you. Perhaps we should be more direct. Do you know who it is who is having these letters transcribed, if there's someone who's going to the Scrivener's office? It has been more than one person. Oh. I don't believe that Biston has been aware that these are connected in any way, but there's something here, and I don't like my office being used for these purposes. I completely understand. You want things to be straightforward and above board. You run a respectable (laughs) business. You don't want any shenanigans. None whatsoever. Jack pipes in a little bit at this point. If this is nothing, then a simple investigation should be able to prove otherwise. But if there is any sort of issue with the artifacts themselves, that would mean that they are dealing with things on the lowest level of the ruins, the most recently excavated. He does cast a a glance over at you, Scriv, and you are well aware of how the ruins are laid out there. This is why I felt like you may be able to go with Scrivener Warmstone and... See if anything has been handled inappropriately, if there's any evidence of that. Scrivener Warmstone, being a investigator, should be able to find anything as well and be able to aid you on this. He's also a veteran, so he knows how to handle himself pretty well. Isn't that right? Slight bow. <laughs> well, as much as I'd love to stay in and suss out this code, it seems like perhaps we could just be direct and, as Jack suggested, go there and see what can be seen. I know we were a little concerned about making it to Orenthal quickly, but I would be very interested to see what is going on with these ruins. And can I do a group telepathic message, Tony? We'll just say like you keep you bounce the message a lot. Okay, yeah. I'll ping it to each person. Zolus too? Yeah, I'll do Zolus too and say, since this is where Scrivs found that artifact that resembles some other things, I think we would benefit from learning more. Perhaps there's another artifact or something related or some further information. So I think this is worth our time. Do you guys agree? Sounds good. Question to the DM. Yes. Because we probably all read it by now. Do any of the exact phrases stick out to us? So the letters themselves look initially just like, hey, came to Veripol, we saw this and this and very touristy type of message. But because of both Scriv and Aldrich pointing out specific phrasing, you notice that there's definitely more like a focus on like a place or on the word artifact was like stressed in one point and it's just it's not uh, readily noticeable but it's definitely they're they're discussing artifacts of the ruins but initial glances just show that they're talking about their great time in Veripol. What I'm understanding Tony is this just falls under the intel of like term of chatter. It's some chatter about yes. the artifacts. Okay. Well, I guess Aldrich sounds like we're in. I don't mind helping you out, you know, and this is something that's near and dear to to Scriv and I know to People here in Veripol and everyone else seems to be on board. Yes, if it's for Scriv, I think, as long as everything is okay with Zolus. I'm fine either way. Also, do you know that Akiva's a Shadar guy? Like, would you be like, man, that he's just a weird elf or like... He's a super pale elf with red eyes. So, question for the DM then. Being a former... Ooh. Not to, go not ahead. to let out... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go ahead and roll Arcana. 19. So he's a Shadarkai, which specifically is an elf from the Shadowfell, who worships the god of death. Their primary goal purpose is just worshiping the god of death. That seems to be, you know, their main focus. However, what usually is cause for concern is any that are on the material plane are usually there to see a death. Normally an important death. Oh, so there's a very good chance I would not only know that, but be extremely concerned about it. Yep. The Shadarkai themselves don't actually kill anybody, but it seems to be that the god of death, Nezlem, sends out the Shadarkai to go and observe. Okay. So, try to keep my cool 
during this, but I'm aware of that. And a little bit interested in him because he just seems to be a very excited tourist. Which is very much unlike any other Shadarkai you've met, who are all almost completely emotionless or almost depressed. So, he's got my interest, but not necessarily my suspicion. I'm also just very concerned about, you know, the presence of potential death. Yeah. So I guess, Aldrich, Scriv, do you want to lead the way? I actually haven't been down in the ruins before in my previous times in Veripol. I've been here so briefly. I don't know exactly where we're going. I'll take the lead. Just give me a second to get my armor on. I suggest that all of you gear up and be prepared. Not that I expect you to be fighting any things down there, but but there will be any looks at you, Balin. It will be a bit of a tight squeeze. Oh, exciting. Jack looks over at you, Belinda. So I offer because this is not part of your initial job, but would you like me to watch Zolas here while you are down below, or would you like to take him with you? I think I'll leave that up to Zolas and where he's more comfortable. He looks at all of you. I mean, I'm not sure how good I'll be underground, you know, having been out and about for quite a while and not underground. Yeah, Zolus, why don't you stay here with uh, Paladin Whitecliff? Aldrich is obviously going to be a great additional guide to Scriv, so I think we will be fine. And I know we're still a bit tired, so you can take some time to relax, and I'm sure you and Paladin Whitecliff can find things to talk about. Or if you get super tired, you can always go back and rest at the baths. Zolus should stay, if only to bring Paladin Whitecliff up to date with circumstances. I'm sure there are things that I haven't been told. I'm sure I can learn a lot from Zolus. Yeah. Well, Jack, I'm sorry that you and I haven't gotten a chance to to catch up entirely, but perhaps later. Later. Why don't all of you come for dinner then once you are done? I'm just going to send a message just to Akiva. It's what you always dreamed of. It's happening, but be cool, man. Be cool, be cool, be cool, okay? Thank you for the invitation, Scrimstad. Of course. Do I need to make some sort of wisdom check to not be giddy? You're not good at that, so no. (laughs) (laughs) We all know. We're fully aware. Aldrich doesn't even know you, and he's fully aware. (laughs) He's also like, weirdest Shadarkai ever, basically. Is that right? At this point, I'm amused by it. Like, I've seen a lot of stuff. Like, that was my job, was to see a lot of stuff. So this is something new, and new is giddy. New is happy. New is fun. So this is like, ooh, okay. Jack will pipe in a little bit. Akiva, you can at least seem a little more excited to come to dinner. Oh, I'm I'm, I'm very excited. Oh, that was such a burn. <laughs> he has a slight smile. I don't even pick it up. If you'll all excuse me, I, I need to run home quickly to uh, gather my things, and I'll return as quickly as possible. Paladin Whitecliff, I appreciate you hearing me and, and allowing these folks to uh, assist me in this. I know you're not quite convinced of its validity, but I wouldn't be able to sleep if I didn't look into it. Thank you again. To all of you, I'll see you shortly, and uh, I I shall see myself out. No problem, Scrivener of Warmstone. You know that Jane would give me an earful if she heard that there was an issue, and I did not at least attempt to address it. Yes, indeed she would have. Oh, I'm sorry, Kiva, you didn't get to meet the other Whitecliff. (laughs) The other Whitecliff? Yes, my wife. We can just talk about it later. Let's get this job done. Will she be in town at some point soon, or...? I believe she was finishing up with the dig that she was at, so hopefully. I know Scrib would be happy to see her. Yes, and I know she would be very excited to see you again, son. Yeah. Paladin Whitecliff. Yes. How much of the present situation did Scrib apprise you of? As far as I'm aware, everything. 
So you were apprised of the attack we recently endured in Faraville? Yes, that is concerning, and Zolus believes that this is from servants of the Demon Lord Tenebris. I wasn't comfortable leaving Zolus in your care if you were not fully apprised of the dangers you might be facing, but, well, you are armed in your own home, so you seem a man prepared. I was about to head out when Scrivener Warmstone came to see me, but yes, I usually tend to have a weapon as a precaution. So, all right, as long as you've been properly apprised of the dangers you might be facing, I thank you for keeping an eye on our charge. Of course. And how are you doing, Valen? Scrivener had informed me that you are a servant of Eshenai? Yes. It's been difficult. I would be remiss to say otherwise. I've spent the bulk of my 62 years with a celestial by my side who has been missing, and it's taken support from my good friend Akiva here to even keep me going. But presently, we have a task to focus on, and it's given me some clarity. It's helping me sharpen up. Excellent. It's always good to have a focus in difficult times. Yes, that's it's been the struggle over the past year. But I think I'm beginning to see that if I have proper goals and things to, to help me focus in on my abilities, I can control them easier and keep my mind clear and steady and do what I can to find my Deva again. But you shouldn't cut yourself short, Valen. I mean, no amount of encouragement can help if you don't have any semblance of will to push on, and you have an amazing sense of will. Thank you, Akiva. I see how he might have helped you get past that point. He's an alarmingly positive individual. Odd for a Shadarakai. I recognize that a lot of my people, if when they usually come here, aren't like this. I, I can I can attribute it probably to the... Uh, situations from when i first arrived spent a good three four months when i initially arrived in a halfling village i don't suppose any turns to you scriv i don't suppose you have introduced them to the silver blooms yet no i haven't had a chance uh, we kind of just came into town stayed at the ruby arrow and fell asleep uh you and joanne never did spend much time together you should definitely go see the silver blooms whenever you have a chance i know they would want to see you yeah I'd like to see them, too. Just, if we're gonna get this done before Mom comes back, then we should get going. Very well. I mean, you are waiting on Scrivener Warmstone by this point. And at this point, Aldrich has returned to the house. I'm now decked out in armor. I've got a, a bow across my back, a short sword or two. The right arm is still not covered, but it is now wrapped in mm. bandage. And I kind of meander into the room. <laughs> so... Are we ready to go? Are we still gossiping? Is there more tea? I... I think we should go, though the gossip and tea were tempting. Yes, let's. So, Scriv, as you lead your companions out of the house, your mind races back to the past as you recall the last time you were in these ruins, and your side begins to ache. And that is where we're going to leave this episode for today. Thank you all for listening. Please share this with your friends and follow us on Twitter at Rules is Written, or you can check out our website at dndraw.com. Feel free to email any questions to our Dungeon Master at dm at dndraw.com. Also subscribe and leave us a comment or review anywhere podcasts are found. You can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash dndraw. Thanks for joining us. In the fantasy world of Seamus, Malarian's finest are the brave champions of the land. 
But this story is not about them. Okay, Waythorpe tells you to go down the stairs. He says, go down the stairs. <laughs> That's just an example of what role-playing is like. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that was amazing. You know they say D&D's about magic, but they don't tell you it is magic. <laughs> Second best, a D&D adventure is a real play D&D podcast created by us, professional comedians. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts.